Now, I know you love checklists, Steve, in the studio, but I am better than you, and I don't need checklists. Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Are we recording? I, I could probably get away with that in the first episode. I don't think I can by episode 26. Hello there. <laughs> how are you? How you doing? I always try to think, how should I open these podcasts? What should I say at the start that's interesting and gets your attention? I've got one line written down here to say, and I haven't even said it. I'm going to say it. Hello. Welcome to episode 26. So how you doing? What have you been up to since the last episode? Uh, Have you been working on any stuff to help you get better? You might remember that last time we looked at positive attitudes. And if you've not heard that episode, I think it's probably one worth listening to. We explored whether having a positive attitude was always the right default position to have. And we suggested circumstances that might benefit from a more balanced approach. And if you didn't listen to it, then you should. But not now. Listen to this one first, then go back. We've had lots of great feedback since, and lots of people have been supporting that episode. In fact, there are loads of people that regularly support these episodes. I just want to very quickly say special thanks to Mel, Debbie, Mike, Carrie, and Guy, my voiceover buddies, who are always sharing and promoting the podcast. Thank you, thank you. To the people at Pod and Family, hashtag Pod and Family. I love the interaction that we have on Twitter, and there are far too many other podders Is that a word, podders? Far too many podders to mention all of them, but people like the X and Y show, the Unwritable Rant, the Yes But Why podcast, and the very funny Super PP Time. I find it very funny. If you just want to laugh at two guys trying to make each other laugh, that's well worth a a listen. I love interacting with people on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. So if you're out there, say hi. Say hi back. I'm saying hi to you. Say hi back to me. And let me know who you are. Send us a tweet, a picture or POCUS on Facebook. Do they do that anymore? This episode is all about checklists. Right. So I will accept that it is not the sexiest of subjects. But I promise that if you want to get better at what you have to do, to spend more time doing what you want to do, then checklists are a pretty sharp tool to get you there. So, let's dive in. Actually, literally. So why cover checklists? They're not exactly glamorous, are they? If I'm challenging conventional wisdom on being positive, that's one thing. If I'm giving you nine great productivity tips, that might be obvious how they can help. But checklists? Well, my friend, I would recommend you not to overlook the power of this humble little tool. Who uses checklists? Well, a quick search on Wikipedia will tell you that airline pilots use them, Doctors use them, and professional divers use them. Now, those jobs, they've got a a reputation, haven't they, for being, you know, they're quite important, they're quite significant jobs. And I think that's probably because they carry a degree of risk. If you're an airline pilot and you make an error, well, people can die. And of course, the same can be said of a doctor. Professional diver, well, being underwater is not really a great place to find out that you've not checked how much oxygen is in your tank, is it? But what if you're not a doctor or a fighter pilot? Well, there is one thing that you, me, and an airline pilot have got in common. This thing weighs about two and a half to three pounds, it sits in between your ears, and you're currently using it to listen to me. 
Now, the human brain is great at some things. It's great at working things out. It's great at finding patterns and spotting saber-toothed tigers in long grass at a medium to long distance. If it was only good at spotting them at a short distance, it's quite likely that neither you nor I would be here enjoying each other's company. But brains are not very good at remembering mundane stuff. If you need proof, I'll ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever worked really hard at coming up with a unique or a creative gift for a loved one's birthday or a special event, only to get it home and realise that you've got no sticky tape to wrap it up with? Or what about the last time that you got back from a supermarket trip and you're putting the shopping away and you've remembered that you should have bought batteries or beans or sticky tape? Now, we come up with solutions to cover up our brain shortcomings. If you're a parent, have you ever made lunch for the family and then put it in front of the door so it's in the way that you've got to, they've got to pick it up before they get out the front door or put it in someone's school bag so they don't forget it? We write things like shopping lists because we don't have the capacity to remember everything that we need, even when we're standing right in front of it in the supermarket. And if all else fails, you can tie a knot in your hanky. Do people have hankies anymore? So, how come the same brain that can conceive of amazing things like the Mona Lisa, the Taj Mahal, or write great works of literature, can fail to remember that we need beans? Well, psychology today say that it's because things that have an emotion attached to them tend to stick, and we can retrieve them more easily. But whatever the reason, it's clear that when it comes to simple, mundane things, we need a little help. And whilst any individual item on a checklist might be mundane, missing one of them could be vital. On the 30th of October, 1935, in an evaluation of the new Boeing 299B-17 bomber, the aircraft was being flown by Major Ployer P. Hill and Lieutenant Donald Putt. After taxiing and taking off, the plane stalled, turned on one wing and crashed into the tarmac. Major Hill was trapped in the wreckage. He was rescued, but he later died. And the cause of the crash? Unfamiliar with the plane, Major Hill hadn't released the elevator lock before takeoff. Eventually, what resulted was a pilot's checklist. Actually, six checklists were developed before starting engines, during warm up, before takeoff, during flight, before landing, and after landing. Now, it might seem obvious to create a checklist for something that's so important. But how do we relate that to something that's maybe got less consequence? Well, let's see what a checklist is actually doing. According to The Art of Manliness, yes, that is a real website, and yes, I do need to ask you to park judgment on their choice of name, checklists do four things. Number one, they verify that the necessary minimum gets done. So while our brains are focusing on the sexy stuff, the checklist ensures that we don't miss the stupid stuff. As we've just learned, it can be the stupid stuff that gets us into trouble if we miss it. Number two, they free up mental RAM. So many people don't like the idea of a checklist. They feel it's it's constraining. But reality is the opposite. If you've got a great checklist, then you are free. I can't speak today. If you've got a great checklist, then you are free to focus on the sexy stuff, on the bits of the thing that you're doing that need your judgment and your focus. And at the same time, having a checklist stops you trying to remember not only what each step is, but also where you are in the process. Number three, it instills discipline. Now in the cockpit, discipline's important because you've got passengers' lives in your hands. So if discipline's important when you're doing something with severe consequences, surely it's also important when you're doing something that's less risky. 
and research shows that giving someone a checklist for a task increases his or her chances of completing it. Number four, you save time. So you may think that it adds time to do a checklist and you just want to get on with the stuff, don't you? And you're right if you're only doing something as a one-off. But with regular activities, a good checklist not only helps you get through the task quicker, but it prevents mistakes, which of course, they can add a huge amount of time for you to then go and fix. After all, if you still need sellotape, other sticky products are available. You're going to have to get in the car and go back to the store and buy it. Alternatively, you could wrap that gift with gaffer tape, but I promise you it won't go down very well. There's a bloke called Atul Gawandi. I hope I've pronounced your name well, sir, if you're listening. Um, and he's a surgeon in Boston, and he's written on medicine and public health for The New Yorker and Slate. And in 2009, he wrote a book called The Checklist Manifesto. Now, this was a piece of work on how implementing checklists in medicine has saved lives. Here's Atul from the TED stage on why it's tricky to get surgeons to work on a checklist. And have a listen to see if there are similar examples here on why you might resist using one. And that brings us to skill number three, the ability to implement this, to get colleagues across the entire chain to actually do these things. And it's been slow to spread. This is not yet our norm in surgery, let alone making checklists to go on to childbirth and other areas. There's a deep resistance because using these tools forces us to confront that we're not a system, forces us to behave with a different set of values. Just using a checklist requires you to embrace different values from ones we've had, like humility, <laughs> discipline, teamwork. This is the opposite of what we were built on, independence, self-sufficiency, autonomy. That's a really interesting video, not least because the lives that they've saved as a direct result of having simple things on the surgeon's checklist are quite significant. Of course, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And I'll also put a link to the book. So you can see that the natural qualities of surgeons who are, they're skillful people with expertise, it causes them to resist the checklist. You can feel like you're above it, like you don't need something so simple. But if you know how your brain works, and you know how you can forget things, and you know that you like to do some things with less stress or faster or more efficiently, then having a look at a checklist could be a great solution. In the next section, we'll have a look at where you can use a checklist which can really help. But first, yes, it's time. Here's this week's report. He's an idiot. Why do we even bother? Hi, Steve. It's Steve in the field here. As you know, I'm quite into photography, and I'm often out and about with my camera bag and my gear. Today, I'm out in the forest in Hampshire. It's an early morning, and I'm looking for that perfect sunrise picture. I'm being really quiet, because there's loads of wildlife around, and often you see deer or badgers and all sorts here early in the morning. Now, I know you love checklists, Steve, in the studio, but I am better than you. And I don't need checklists. You see, I always keep my camera gear bag packed, ready, so at a moment's notice, I can just grab it and go. Oh, hang on a minute. What's that? Oh, what an amazing sight. A family of deer are just 
walking across in the distance and they're right against the glowing sunrise. Hang on, Steve, I've got to get this. I think I'll use the, the 600mm telephoto. Let's just grab my camera body. Swap the lenses over. Manual, I think, because of the sun. I might go for... might bracket the exposure. So I'll have to take a few shots. Okay, perfect composition. And just squeeze the shutter button. Oh, hang on. What's this? No storage space. What? Oh, damn, my SD card's full. Quick, what can I delete? Um, no, not that one. No, I can't delete any of these either. I've not downloaded them yet. Oh, quick, quick, they're walking off. Let me go back a few. No, that's my sister's baby. She'll kill me if I delete that one. Okay, all right, here's some test shots of a street scene. I'm not gonna use them, right? Delete, delete, delete. Yeah, that's rubbish. I'm gonna need a few spaces so I can bracket the exposure. Delete, delete, right, okay, here we go. Right, let's compose. Oh, they've gone. Oh, it's too late. They've walked off. Okay, I think he slightly overreacted at the end there, but um, anyway, good luck, Steve. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a review of Attle's book, The Checklist Manifesto, and he said, he begins on familiar ground with his experiences as a surgeon. But before long, it becomes clear that he's really interested in a problem that afflicts virtually every aspect of the modern world. And that is how professionals deal with the increasing complexity of their responsibilities. It's been years since I read a book so powerful and so thought-provoking. Now, Malcolm Gladwell is not someone that, in my view, is easily impressed, so I think there's something in this. As you know, in this podcast, we only share things that have got independent verification or things I can talk about from personal experience. And checklists is one that's got both. In fact, I use a checklist for the podcast. You know, it might just sound like a bit of a chat and there's some music, but actually there are 44 steps to producing and publishing each episode. And not only does a checklist ensure that I don't miss anything, but it also helps me keep track of what bits I've done. Because if I'm doing an episode over a period of time, I can get straight into it without having to waste time trying to remember where I was. Oh, and this bit is step eight record studio work. Now there are key steps in there, things like check that we're recording, check the batteries on the portable recorder if I'm out and about, switch the lav mic off after using it so the batteries don't run down. And these are the potential showstoppers. Your checklist can consist of just the showstoppers, the stupid things, you know, the things that if you forget, well, you end up looking stupid. Travel, this is another personal favourite. Now sometimes I'm away with work for a night or two during the week. Now, if I'm going away, that usually means I'm up early on the day that I'm travelling and often it comes after a late night the day before. Now, being away from home is stressful. You've got to travel somewhere, you've got to think about where you're going to eat, you've got to take stuff, and all of this over and above doing a full day's work. My travel checklist is my lifesaver. I've got a one-night and a two-night checklist and I can prepare in five minutes flat the night before and five more minutes the day of travelling with the final items. No stress. No time thinking about what I need and no late night excursions to find a 24-hour supermarket because I've discovered I've forgotten my toothpaste and I'm sure we've all been there. Now you can do this two ways. The first option is to just list the showstoppers, the things that you often forget. 
So on this list, it's my phone charger, it's the shaver, charged toothbrush, spare socks. They're all in there. But I go further and I list everything I'm taking. And that saves me time trying to work out whether I'll need a change of clothes for the evening. And it also reduces temptation to take more than I need, just, you know, just just in case. Now, again, it sounds anal, but once it's set up, it is tick, tick, tick. And that means I can get more sleep. I don't need to fret whilst I'm trying to work. And I can arrive at my location with a minimum of fuss and settle quickly. Now, whether you want to do things faster, whether you want to do them to a higher standard, or you just want to do them with less drain on your brain, there's loads of things you can improve with a checklist. Here's a few ideas. Cleaning routines. Hit each room once, do the minimum, and get back to something more interesting. A morning checklist for your morning routine or stuff for your workday or a kid's checklist for getting everything ready to pack them off to school. You might remember the science trip letter from a previous episode. Christmas Day, yeah? Have a list of timings or a list of actions that you want to do in the run-up to Christmas Day. If you're a photographer or a filmmaker, as opposed to being a bumbling idiot like Steve in the field, having a checklist not only for the equipment, but also for things like charged batteries or cleaning equipment or spares and so on. Holidays, now... They can be about a packing list or they can be tasks that you want to complete before you go. I was going to put cancel the milk on here, but I think I'm showing my age a bit. You get the idea. First aid kits, always needed at entirely the worst time for you to go to the shops. Entertaining, so if you're having a party, you want to enjoy it. So let the checklist take the strain and you'll be able to relax more easily. Finances, not much fun, but reminders of when the tax needs paying, the insurance needs updating and so on. Networking. So if you're meeting new people and that's important to you or your career, then following up is also really important. Why not create a checklist to prompt you to do things like connect on social media or follow up with a call and most importantly, check in again in a few months' time because that's the bit that most people forget. What about if you produce a blog or some sort of online content? There's plenty of stuff to think about there. Your outline, your title, the first draft, revisions... Imagery. I've got my own checklist for the imagery for the podcast because there's three different sizes for each episode. One for YouTube, one for Instagram and one for the web page. And then there's another version for the one that has the video snip on it. So that's a, a little checklist routine in its own. But if you're blogging, you've also got to think about publishing, social media and so on. So again, invest a little time in the checklist and you'll never miss a vital step again. And there's plenty of ways that you can construct your checklist. You know, if you, if you want to keep it simple, just write them on a bit of paper or in a diary or, or a notebook if you like writing stuff down. You can use Excel or Word if you want electronic versions. And if you want to use your device, well, there's loads of choice. My three favourite are Evernote, which I use for my travel checklist. And the great thing about Evernote is you can create your list, put check boxes in, and then it's permanently there. For my podcast checklist, I use Nosby. With Nosby, you can make a template which sets out the steps and then you create what's called a project from the template. And as you complete each step, it disappears. And this is a great way of keeping your next action always at the top of the list. That's good if you're completing each step over a period of time. And finally, Wonderlist is great. You can have dedicated lists for different things. And like Nosby, each step disappears as you complete it. And then once you've done your list, you can look at all the completed stuff and make them all live again, ready for the next time. The beauty of Wonderlist is you can add things to your checklist and different people can update the list remotely. Like the other day, 
When I was in the supermarket and Lisa remembered that we needed bananas, but she was somewhere else, it just appeared on the list like magic. The key thing for making these work is keep it practical. If the checklist isn't working, don't give up, but revise what you're doing with it. And if needed, take things off the list if it's becoming too cumbersome. Kichi, kichi, kichi. Kichi is not a word. Keep each step a clear action. So don't just put ironing on your travel checklist, but specify what you need to iron. Now remember, these checklists are not a how-to guide. They're key things that you must do when you're carrying out a repeated activity. And it'll only work for you if they're simple, clear and reliable enough for you to use when you need them. When you're in a rush or when you're tired, that's when they really come into their own. If you're really serious, you can look at Atoll's guide for creating effective checklists. I'll put a link in the show notes. Or if you want to just dive in and crack on, just write it on a bit of paper and get going. Don't let complexity get in the way of making your life more straightforward. Hopefully this has got you thinking. I'd love to hear what you're using checklists for. And share checklists that you've produced. You can either send them to me by social media or direct message. Or if you give me an email address in the leave a reply section, which is at the top of any episode on the website, I'll share them back with our listeners. And if you've got any comments on any episode, that's a great place to leave them. So it's at the top on the website. You can click the leave a reply bit and then uh, put your comments in. As long as you're nice. So the humble checklist. Figuratively, they can be lifesavers if you use them effectively. Or if you're listening to this podcast on an airplane right now, or you travelled by air last week or last night, it's just possible they may have literally saved your life. All the links, resources and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful, and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do, and... I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. If you want to invest in any of the books or other resource that we talk about, we've got a resource page on the website. The tab is called Get Stuff and if you click on any of the links and buy anything, it won't cost you any more, but it gives us a few pence towards the gear and my time to help us make this podcast what it is. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. <laughs>